Hi, and welcome to Clamp, the Creating, Living, and Making podcast. I'm your host, Grant Alexander, and joining me this week is Morley Kurt. Hello. And Adam Mackey. Hello. How's it going, guys? Adam, what are you working on? I'm going to guess it's workbench related, but let's hear it. Well, yeah. One of my projects this week is my workbench. I actually have just to paint the strips that I need to attach, and my workbench is actually done. A um, couple of things I decided to change. I wanted to, all my power tools, the whole point of making all the drawers on my workbench was to store all my power tools um, mm-hmm. because the cabinet I have them in now, they end up just getting thrown in and messy and this way I can have dedicated spots. I wanted to actually put little blocks in so everything had its own place, but I'm a little bit lazy, but also don't want to lock everything in place that I've just put them in certain drawers. So I've got a drawer for my drills, a drawer for sanders, all that sort of stuff. Um, and the other thing I made this week was a floating shelf or a live edge floating shelf, um, which turned out so nice. What kind of wood was that? Uh, it is chamfer. Oh, what was it? Chamfer something. Mm-hmm. I'll look it up. Yeah, yeah it looks my, beautiful. Super yeah, smooth. My mate that I get it off, he only tells me that, um, the full terms of wood. He won't tell me what they're actually called. Oh, like the genus and species. Yeah. Yeah. So it is, um, let it go. Yeah. Sina, Sina, Mom, Shamphora. Never heard of it. You guys get hmm. the crazy wood down there in Australia. <laughs> oh, I, this, the, I don't know if you saw, like, on Instagram, I put up a picture of the slab before I even touched it, and, like, it was, like, just all gray and hideous, and as soon as I ran it through the thickness, it came up so beautiful, like, it's, like, pretty much split in half of, like, red wood and, like, a white wood, and, Mm. yeah, it just, so nice. So, uh, KJP, the place I get all my wood from, or most of my wood from, um, they did a thing on their Instagram stories uh, today I saw, and they were showing why they skip plane their wood. So skip planing is when you go like to basically just take a, a 16th off. You're, you're not trying to get rid of all the bandsaw marks, but you're trying to make sure, you know, like the grayed out wood is gone. And they were showing the skip planing on a piece of purple heart. And as you know, yeah. purple heart turns super brown after time. And the other side was majestic. So mm. I totally get it. It's it's amazing what, what lies beneath the grayed out wood. Mm. Well, this this says um, camphor laurel is the type of tree. Mm. It smelled, it- when I cut it, it's, it smelled like eucalyptus. Yeah. So I, isn't, nice. Doesn't camphor come from trees, like the chemical? Yeah, camphor tree. Those yeah. Are, camphor that's tree, like a- that's what it is. Right, yeah. That's if you look. That's definitely not something says, we have in this part of the world. Where underneath where it says camphor tree, it should say cinnamon, mum, mum, cinnamon, Yeah, camphora. I wonder if yeah. it's related to cinnamon in some sense because cinnamon is a bark, and it's also fragrant. Um, I, I, I would bet that. I don't know. Related. They said from what I looked up yesterday, it says the tree is used to make in China. They use it to make like eucalyptus oils and stuff. Cool. Um, yeah, I love but, this um, eucalyptus. Oh, my shop smelled so good all day. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so I, I skip planed um, the the blank 
like the slab. I cut up the slab to like rough dimensions first so it would fit through my thicknesser. And then I ran it through just to make each side a bit smooth. And then I actually got a flat board out and like put it with wedges so that it would come out flat and stuff. So Nice. And I spent well over an hour sanding. Um, so this is actually a one-hour build, which I'm going to change. Um, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I want to change one-hour one hour build to one hour challenge. So instead mm. of instead of showing this is what you can build in an hour, it's more of a challenge for me to try and build it in an hour. I, okay, that's what you were already doing. So you're just- yeah, it was, but I I kind of had this like precedent in my head that if it wasn't if I couldn't do it in under an hour, then it couldn't be that sort of video. But Makes the sense. ballet yeah. one was uh, over yeah. an hour. Yeah. I like. I might. I don't. Yeah. yeah um, I feel, it sounds so, like you yeah, might be I trying like to it. fit a square peg into a round hole. I, it doesn't well, sound like this yeah. is a one-hour build nor a one-hour challenge. So, well, it is a one-hour build if you take out the one hour of sanding. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. That's. It's not a one-hour build. I know, and that, yeah, but um, in the video, I'm gonna like I've I stopped the the clock. Um, and I'm going to say in the video, look, I've stopped the clock here, but I did spend an hour sanding. So it's up to you if you want to say this is a one hour build or not. Um, but yeah, I, I sanded that thing like up until 320 grit wet sanded. And look, like it is so fucking smooth. I didn't mean to swear there, but yeah, so <laughs> smooth. My, my wife comes in and she's like, why doesn't all your projects smooth like that? <laughs> It's very interesting. It's apparently a weed. It's considered a weed tree in Australia. Like so pot? it's a, like like a non... They don't want it. They want to get rid of no, it. Yeah. Not pot. Yeah. No, not pot. Yeah. Well, it was a free slab and it'd been sitting around long enough that it was pretty dry. Like it, it's been... Um, my mate said it was like a 150-year-old tree. Wow, and you can see it in the picture I put on Instagram, like all the rings that you can see from it. It was a massive tree. Sweet, yeah, that's awesome. That's that's cool. Yeah. Morley, what have you been up to this week? Uh, it's been a really good week. Um, the bookbinding has been like such a nice craft uh, to be working on. It's super satisfying. My nice paper came in. And I'm, I got the text block all stitched up uh, with this really pretty stitch that kind of locks all the signatures together. Um, shout out to C Lemon, who has a fantastic YouTube channel. I think she does all sorts of stuff, but she has some really good um, bookbinding tutorials that I was following that uh, Justin from Bear Make It and Andy Pugh were recommending. Um, and they were they, super handy. So I've been chipping away at that also been chipping away at the uh stacked handle uh so i cut out all the leather pieces on the laser at work and i also cut out some denim uh on the laser as well and use that to make some micarta so what i'm essentially doing is taking out some of the uh leather pieces and replacing them with the denim micarta and micarta is essentially uh, layers of textile or cloth or paper and epoxy, then you uh, clamp them together. And the brand name Micarta also uses heat, uh, but essentially you come out with this like composite fiberglass epoxy type material. Um, 
So it's really cool. It looks kind of like carbon fiber. I think like, and when I sand it, I think it'll become like much more blue. Um, so it'll be this sort of like leather tone and then interspersed with these blue stripes, um, which I'm really excited to see what it looks like. Cause I haven't actually like sanded the whole profile yet. Um, but it's cool. It's been a really fun experiment. Um, and unfortunately it's, it's the sort of thing where like I, an ounce of preparation is worth a pound of cure because I, I should have just kept done a couple more tests on the laser with the leather. Um, but essentially I didn't set the power quite high enough. So I spent like a solid 15 minutes cause I stayed after work to like work on this. Right. And it, it was already a late day. And since it didn't cut all the way through in, in places, I was just like, like pushing and ripping with my fingers to get that last, like, hundredth of an inch punch through because leather is really strong even little lit thin layers of it um it always amazes me when i'm like trying to cut it with an exacto knife and like you get that last little bit and you're like i've gone over it like 15 times why aren't you cutting yeah it really hangs on yeah yeah so it 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 would you know like and i was thinking like oh well i don't want to really like push it too hard because then it's going to get like really charred and I should have been like, Morley, come on. It's getting charred anyway, and you're going to sand it off. Think. So uh, <laughs> a little learning experience there. Take time to power dial in the power settings before you go full on and cut out uh, 40 discs of leather and then have to punch out half of them with your hands. Uh, but it was it actually gave me a nice kind of chill opportunity to talk to some people at work while I was working. Um, and then otherwise at work, um, this week, so we're, we're recording this on Thursday, May 13th, um, Eastern time. I know it's the future for Adam, uh, but I was going to say it's the 14th. What do you mean? Yeah. So we have been full on, uh, staff training this week. So 16 instructors that will be working at summer camp, uh, and on some of our virtual programs arrived on Monday and we've been doing some design challenges, some team building activities with them. Um, some like mock, sort of lessons planning and just getting to know everyone trying to develop a really solid team, uh, cohesion. It's, it's, it's been very fun and very rewarding. Like I went to summer camp for nine years, uh, two summers ago, I was working at the off grid lodge, which was a very campy experience. So it feels really good, especially after like the lack of social, interaction that i've had during covid to be in this like trying to create this campy experience for other people um it's tough because with wearing masks it's very difficult to like you know get a read on people i don't know if you guys have experienced this but just trying to like when you're being very animated and trying to you know elicit a reaction it's very difficult especially when people don't you don't know someone very well to kind of like gauge the reaction but it's going really well like they're whenever we we give the they're all engineer most of them are engineering students so whenever we give them the opportunity to actually like design and build like they're really loving it and i think it's going to be a a great team Um, that's cool yeah so i'm really excited for the summer um it's 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 a lot of work like we're 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 staying late every day just because like we want to stay late and then you know we're all you're, you're doing stuff all day and then it's only really at the end of the day when we have time to kind of meet all together and strategize and and adjust on the fly. Um, but yeah, it's been really, really good. Cool. Yeah. Oh, what, what, what have I been up to? You asked. I was just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, 
Uh, well, I've been uh, I've also been working on uh, the, the little mallet. Uh, you've been going with the micarta and stacked leather, and I basically just don't want to do stacked leather because that's what everyone does with a leather working mallet. So I want to try and do something different. Um, I was just doing a little prototyping to see if I could drill a uh, straight line through uh, five inches or five and a half inches of uh, wood. Um, and yeah, that's no the, fun. Yes, that answer. The answer to that is not very well. It's mm. I I did it twice and I went. It's not perfect. I need. So I've I instead got inspired by uh, Daner made um, Daner made did the giant knife and the way that he put the handle together on that might be the way that I go on a stacked wood handle instead of a stacked leather handle with a whole bunch of my scrap wood. Um, Do you know what that, that knife is out. from? No. Okay. No, what's it from? Um, Crocodile, Dun- Crocodile Dundee, which is like a what? It's a big I've Australian movie. Yeah, it's a no. big Australian movie. Really? Yeah. Have, you know, you know the Sims. That's not a movie. Okay, yeah, you have heard of it. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, the drive, the drilling through, um, through that big of a straight is quite hard. I had to do that for the floating shelf with a spade bit, um, and I couldn't get the depth I needed, so I then had to put the spade bit on like a, you know, like an extension that you would put on a normal <laughs> screwdriver yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, that that wasn't fun. Luckily, the end didn't really matter that much. So, did it go all the way through? Did you have to get out on the other side? No, no. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that's where my problem. Like, I can obviously drill five inches, no problem. I can mm. probably drill a little more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so, in, uh, <laughs> in saying that, though, you could probably use a a, um, a drill press. So I was a, using a drill press. Yeah. So I can't, have to get I it, it perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually think if you if I didn't have to go out on the other side, it'd be fine. But because mm. I want to have a hole on both sides, because that's how it like it basically has two washers, uh, nuts and washers that that like smush. If it was leather, yeah. it'd smush the leather together. Mm-hmm. But uh, because it's not leather, I you know obviously didn't. Um, yeah, so I was working on that, and now I think I think I have an idea for it, and that might actually turn it into a fun and interesting video because I showed Morley. Uh, uh, the the version I made, and he said, "I don't think it'd be very fun to watch you make a cylinder." I went, "You're right." So, <laughs> and then you're like, "Good," because I didn't film it anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, making a cylinder was not very fun. It was very, I don't know. It it it, it was good practice for doing uh, canoe paddles, which I might do one day. But the other thing, if for the, those of you who listened to last episode, you would have heard uh, that for at least half the episode, uh, Morley and uh, Adam <laughs> were convincing me, were talking about different ways that I should fix my closet. And of course, I eventually decided to uh, to actually rip that apart and fix it. So I, uh, I sawed, I basically sawed the top off and put a quarter inch uh spacer in there and then redid part of the uh face uh whatever it's called edge banding um it like it's going to be buried underneath the drawers you're not going to be able to see this part that i added in but uh it was fun but you know i think 
if I was a professional closet builder, that I, I likely wouldn't have gotten myself down this path. I likely would have, one, it would have been done like a year ago when I first started it. Um, and two, it, I likely wouldn't have screwed up every single part. So I was wondering what, I what you'd your be thoughts surprised. are. I think <laughs> you'd be surprised. I, th- I think people that specialize in, in a certain thing would have a lot of mistakes as well. They just would know a lot of ways to combat common mistakes. Um, mm. But, you know, brain farts happen and um, and all that sort of stuff. Like, I, I could guarantee so many tradies out there would cut a piece the wrong length because they haven't measured twice like they should and- yeah, I think that's where a lot of the like specialization versus like hobbyist slash, you know, generalist working on something comes in is the amount of time it takes because you know how to solve problems once they come up. Whereas, yeah. you know, and at the end of the day, it might still be the same quality of work. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's debatable depending on the level of refinement that you're going for if you're not a professional but it's possible it's just you know going to take a lot longer when you are problem solving on the fly which i as grant you experience also are you happy that you uh went with this what's the verdict like were you is it worth it or would you wish you just left it i definitely don't wish i just left it i wish i didn't make the mistake in the first place like that's really what it boils down to is I don't even understand how I made the mistake. I look at like I had a cut list from a 3D drawing. Um, what? How could I have screwed this up? The only thing I can think is that I I turned the because like, it was like a 19 and a half by 20 inch or something like that. So it was a very, very close to being square. And I ended up cutting it a little bit shorter. Like it was, it was almost square as a rectangle. Like one dimension was nineteen and a half, and the other dimension was twenty. And I must have put the twenty the wrong way. Okay. Did you cut to your cut list? Yes. There's your problem. You should always cut to your project. So, yes, use your cut list to like do like the shelf, like the bottom and top shelf. But you should always measure between those two shelves to get your measurement for the next cut. Because there's right, always going to be variances. Right. And there, there's definitely that. Uh, there's other issues that have come up on this. Let's uh, do another whole half episode about Grant's Closet. <laughs> no, no, no. Right. I'm, so, I'm, just, I'm just saying that I always try and measure off my project. Yeah, you're, you're completely right. And if I was a professional, if I had specialized in closet building, then this I would know this. What I do know is that I should have done that later when I uh, measured – I did go and measure and I, to, to make the drawers. I measured one side and it's supposed to be perfectly in the middle. Yep. So I made, I, it's like four and four drawers and it's one eighth inch difference on one side. So now I have drawers that are one eighth inch too wide and they do not fit. What's that like? Two- to the space. Three three millimeters or so. Yeah, three millimeters. Yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah. Uh, so you wouldn't notice it, but it's it's annoying when you're trying to cut everything at the same time to be the same size. No, they don't fit. They don't I, fit. They they do not fit. I already made the drawers, so I either make right. four new drawers, or I shave down one. Side. Inset. I inset the uh, sliding the drawer slides. Mm-hmm. I think that that's actually um, would be great 
to show on video of this is what's happened and just say I'm going to fix it. Um, totally. It would be, but I'm yeah. not because I'm just not. <laughs> the only people who get to know is the people who listen to Clamp. I'll put it at the end that I'll reference every – like for the five You'll last – put it at the end uh, when only 5% of the people are still watching it. Right. <laughs> and that way if they want to hear all about all the problems I had, I'll reference all the different episodes where we talk about it. But so <laughs> why I wanted to talk about this kind of topic of being either a, a very, very specialized versus a generalist or like the jack of all trades, uh, master of none is often better than a master of one kind of thought is because I was I was watching Outlander um, and it's set in the 1700s um, and the one of the main characters ends up becoming a blacksmith and I was thinking about it going like oh that's that's pretty cool spoilers like, that's a very very specialized I didn't say who it was cool <laughs> so the it's a very specialized thing and but at the same time, I recognize that these people also hunted. They built homes. They built. They were carpenters. They, they did everything. And then even this guy was talking about being blacksmith, and he's like, "I'm not just a blacksmith. I do silversmithing and goldsmithing, and you know, I've trained in all the different types of smithing because even though I'm a blacksmith and like I make my job doing iron work, like horse stuff. I don't know." It was had to fix a a bit in the show. Um, yeah, I just thought it's a very interesting how much we don't consider ourselves generalists anymore, because I think a lot of people out there have lost a lot of the skills. Oh, and obviously picked up different ones like computers and stuff. Mm. I I would kind of disagree there. I think um, so. There's a few things, right? So I think number one. You know, a lot of people kind of with a point of pride call themselves a generalist. Like I think of like Bob of I like to make stuff, you know, always refers to himself as a generalist. But, you know, to do anything in life, you need to become at least proficient at like certain things. And I think you see that like an outlander with a character you're referring to. Like they, yes, this character does a variety of things. And most people, even if they might call themselves like, like a doctor, like I'm a professional doctor. Well, that professional doctor also does a variety of other things at a high level. Like we are not limited to being proficient at one thing. And so I don't, I don't know exactly where this notion came from that like there, there are people who are specialists and they like only do this one thing because I think most people just with the nature of humans, like do participate, do do a variety of things. And it's, it's interesting too, because you know, in like socioeconomic historical trends, right? People say like the economy has become more and more specialized, which is true with companies. Like there are more and more specialized companies, but I think people as individuals also need to develop more and more skills to survive in the modern era. It's just a different set of skills. So like, yes, we've lost hunting skills as like the majority of people in the in developed countries but you know, you take up like doing your own taxes, and you take up the skills of uh, you know, like cooking different types of food, and you know, navigating Know- a city, knowing how to order food online. Yeah, it, it's. <laughs> it, but so yeah, so Grant or Gadam, you were going to say something. I, I think a lot of it comes down to interest. 
um, like you, you have people that are that specialize in certain things that get interested in learning new things, but then there's also people that, that don't. They're happy with what they're doing and not really interested in learning something new. You take take most of the makers on YouTube that start out, say myself as woodworking. If I could afford to and had the space and everything, I probably would progress into metalworking and learning those new skills and stuff. But then you could get mm-hmm. people that, that aren't interested in that. Right. And I think so when I think about specialists, I think like the the woodworkers who won't work with another material. I'm not thinking of uh, the general people on the general maker term. Like those are definitely generalists. And I think like, so I have an acquaintance who's a vet, uh, like a veterinarian, not a military vet. Uh, And his, he decided at one point to specialize in just becoming a dentist for dogs. That's it. That's all he works on. Now that is, yes, he's a vet. Yes. Could he do all the other vet things? Probably. But he ends up specializing on just being like a a dental services for dogs because I don't know. That's what he likes. Whatever. It's it's whatever his interest is. Obviously he's got other interests and skills outside of, of that. But I think it's one of those things like if you specialize into something, like if your only thing is, is woodworking and it's hand tool woodworking and all you want to do is hand tool woodworking, you will get very, very good at it. Mm. And you might sacrifice being the most efficient at something, right? Like I know wood by right is a, a it's about to say the same thing. <laughs> so he, he actually talks about how in his YouTube channel, he does everything by hand. And when he actually makes produces stuff, he uses power tools. He hundred percent has a power tool shop like hidden behind the yep. camera. Yes, he does, yeah. and he admits it. But yeah. he said for he shows how to do it by hand. But if yeah. he's going to produce a hundred of them, he's like it, it doesn't make any sense to do it that, that way. That's that's a hundred percent me. In saying that, he has he has stated in the past that some things are quicker just to do by hand than to by the time you set up the machine and all that sort of stuff. Um, yes. But that's 100% what I would be like. I'd be like, all right, so on camera, I'm going to use a plane, my hand plane to do this. And then as soon as I've got the shot I need, I'd be running it through the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, so, I was going to say, like, I, I think like what Grant was referring to and what I was referring to are like two different types of, of specialization and generalization mm. in, in that you can specialize within a craft. And then there's also the notion of like specializing in your life, which everyone has to do to some respect, right? Because you have to, you have to do something unless you're like a full on just hunter gatherer. I don't know. Even then you're specializing in certain skills because you have to become good at certain things. But to to, to talk more specifically about the, like, I only am a dog dentist. I am not a veterinarian to me. Like, I think there's, there is something appealing to that. Not that I would want to do it, but I see the appeal in that, like, it seems like very, very secure doing something like that. You're like, I always know like dog will need dogs will need their their teeth cleaned or dogs will have cavities. And I can always focus on this one thing. And it's it's mm. the business is always gonna be there and I can refine my craft and I can become better and better at it. And it seems almost relaxing in that way to like choose a craft very hyper focused and just try to get very good at it. Like I see the appeal for sure. Um but I th- I think with and I don't know. I think it, I'll see like where my life takes me, but um, 
I don't know, I think some people are more exploratory than others. And some people to some people, exploration just doesn't have the same allure as it does to others. Yeah, I think, I think it definitely comes down to down to interest. Um, and then I also think that our generations these days are not necessarily lazy, but have a lot of ways they can they can get the process done without the effort. Like you said, like mm. ordering out dinner rather than making dinner and using power tools because I'm too lazy to use a hand plane. Right. Well, and I think about it too, like – just how much uh, you end up spending downtime where back in the day you didn't have downtime. Like another from Outlander, they were talking about how everyone knows how to knit and everyone knows Mm. how to knit because in your downtime, you would pick up a knitting needles and knit something because you need to, like you always need to be doing stuff. And now we have a, a life that is, Comfortable enough. And- right. Hmm. The, the life that most of us enjoy, uh, again, living in like a developed country is a result of specialization. It's because some people decided I'm going to go into wastewater treatment and other people decided hmm. I'm going to go into material science and other people decided I'm going to go into power transmission. And that wouldn't have happened if people were just like, no, we're all going to be, you know, hunter gatherers together. And, and that's a, that's a great point. The, the leisure time thing, people just didn't used to have leisure. Well, that's not exactly true. Uh, there are some yeah. th- things that show that people used to have a lot more leisure time and it's not been like any sort of linear movement. It's changed over time. Um, there's been times in the 20th century when we had, uh, less leisure time and there've been times when we have had more leisure time, but right now, Relatively, we have a little less leisure time than we have have in the in the near past. I'm I'm pretty sure that's the trend. Well, if you take take Gret and I, for instance, who are old enough where when we were kids, there was no such thing as like internet, and well, if there was, but it was extremely slow, and and you know, no one was really spending time on their phone. There was no mobile phones and all that sort of stuff. So you had to get out and learn new skills and and all that sort of stuff. And and I think like even you'd see it in your parents and that Molly is that like growing up like your your parents probably did a lot more of like learning new skills um in the shop or all that sort of stuff if if they were like into that sort of thing and um my parents used to play golf like every week and all that and it was now you just stay home and watch tv or go to the movies or i don't know if that's exactly true because i think you know tv has been around for the last i don't know T- tv yeah tv itself is is not really the thing. It's more the mobile phones and that. Yeah. Well, I think like with the internet has come increased freedom of like how you can spend your time. And it's a lot easier sure. to, to do a, the things that you used to have to leave your house to do at home. Mm. Um, so I, I think it's a little more complicated than just, you know, picking up skills versus not. I think it's just what? how those things look has changed as well. So there's this, there's two things. One, there's this great picture I saw of it was like a like old person complaining on the internet how everyone all these kids are looking at their phones and then it was a picture of like from it was black and white so i'm gonna say 40s or 50s where it's a bunch of like kids reading the paper yeah right it's like all these kids standing around reading the newspaper it's it hasn't changed nothing changes everyone finds a way to enjoy their time whether it's reading the newspaper 
or carving their initials into every tree they wherever they stopped. You know what I mean? Like mm. there's always something that people are going to do to pass the time that isn't productive per yeah. se. Yeah, it's true. There's there's something I've noticed uh, in my in my own work, and it's that if I'm bouncing around different crafts and different hobbies a little too much, then I never can feel quite settled and confident in something. And I think that's a sign, you know, that like hyper generalization definitely has some downsides, like specifically talking about like hobbies and crafts, because it does feel really good to like actually develop on something and move beyond like a basic understanding of it. Um, totally. and, and I think, you know, a lot of us have this like ADD tendency where it feels really good to jump around in the short term. It doesn't always feel good in the long term. I'm with you. And I think I know why it's that, what was that, that, that episode we talked about where the, the, the curve that you get into the taste gap, the taste gap. It's the problem is when you first get into it, you learn a few little skills and what you produce is like you balloon out on how much you learn and you hit a plateau and then you go, you know what? I I've plateaued a little bit on this. Let's move over to something else, right? I'm not, I'm not getting as good at this as I want. So boom, I'll move to something else. But when I think about even generalization, I think about my grandfather. Um, he knew like eight languages. He like my wood, half my woodworking tools were from him. I have chairs. He like refinished and recovered that he got from the hospital that he worked at. They were like in the doctor's lounge and like, they look professionally done. Um, and I think about it and go like, how did he have time or knowledge to do these types of things? And it's, it's likely cause he, that was his, how he spent his free time. And I guess I feel like if you, if you generalize and you end up finding ways to be productive in your downtime, then I think it's really good. And I think the nice thing about hyper-specialization is that you can do things in your downtime because you're, you know, like you're comfortable. Like when you were talking about being comfortable, being the, you know, dog dentist, uh, like you're specialized, you're comfortable, you know what you're going to do is going to have good, easy income, it's going to be comfortable, then you can experiment outside of that. So I think we don't know, I don't know enough, I don't know anyone who's a hyper specialist. And so I don't know whether or not in their off time, they're the ones who are in their garage painting or or something like that, mm. you know? Everyone needs a hobby, right? I think that's a one of it's somewhere in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You need stuff to do mm-hmm. in your downtime. Hundred percent. And so I think with generaliz- generalization as well, generalization being a generalist, um, like it relates very closely to like my worldview as well. In that this is this is going to sound unrelated, but it's related. So I get frustrated sometimes, like. <laughs> when people like focus so much on getting like a perfect finish or, or getting, or just splitting hairs over getting something that looks exactly right. Because, you know, and all the power to someone, if you want to do that, but personally, like I, 
I, I just at this point in my making, I don't want to get so focused on that. And it comes down to like, I always think like this thing is just going to like break down and degrade one day. And so like, why does it matter if it looks perfect now, if in, you know, a year from now, it's going to have a, a patina to it or break down a little bit that actually might make it even look a little better. And so, you know, I, I it's something I've been thinking about a lot recently. Like everything you make in life is eventually just going to like break down. We're here temporarily. We're visitors in this short, relatively short life that we have. And so like, I want to do as much exploring in life as I can. And I think that comes through in like most aspects of my life. Like I see most of the things I want to do is like, I want to see what that way of living is like, and I want to see what doing that is like. And I think that's why in many ways, like I do a, a good amount of different things because I'm just curious about like all these different parts of life. And I feel like I don't know. Maybe it's also being 24. I want to uh, see what they're all like and experience them all. Uh, However, you know, even within that, and this is something I kind of want to talk about earlier, even if it seems like I'm a generalist in the macro, I still have like very specific skills that come in very useful. And I think everyone sees it in their own work in that, like, even if you have a, a, range of likes and skills you might still have a very like a style it's it also kind of relates to finding your style in that like you might work in a variety of crafts but someone can recognize when the work is by you or there's a specific arrangement of these crafts that makes your work look distinctive or gives you like a certain advantage or perspective hmm, so almost totally. like by being a generalist it like makes you more specialized because it's like you're niching down to yourself I think um, maybe ease, ease, ease of like getting tools and stuff is changed a lot as well. Um, like say back in the 1700s, they you would have had a blacksmith who taught another blacksmith who would have, when he passed, would have handed his tools down to that blacksmith and, and all that sort of stuff. And now you can just go down to the shop and buy the tools you need to do it yourself if that's what you're interested in. Um, yeah, because I've thought about that too. Like watching Outlander and watching a lot of those older or older shows, and that is that there is a lot of specialization in a sense that you have to take something somewhere to get something done. Even I guess in today's world as well. Like I, I'm no mechanic. If I, something goes wrong in my car, I take it to a mechanic who specializes in in that need because that's not the specialization that I've put myself towards. Mm-hmm. it's well it's in thinking about that i'm not a mechanic either but i work i do all the work on my car like i've torn apart engines i've torn apart transmissions i've rebuilt them i've done everything but body work because i think that's more of an art um but what i will say is like i know i've spent time doing things that would if I had brought it to a mechanic would be so much quicker and it would be so much more efficient. I do all my own like services and, and all that sort of stuff, but, but tearing down engines and, and all that sort of stuff, but, but I, I have no idea what the go is there. I, I've replaced a wheel bearing here and there, tried to do it on my Ranger. I couldn't work it out. So I didn't do it. I'll take it to a mechanic. Um, but yeah, like, but that, that's I'm the sure thing where you specialize more in that being able to pull down a, an engine and all that sort of stuff. Right. I, I'm sure that 
if you had the time and the tools, you could do it. So Which is what I said problem. before. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not a problem with it's a problem with you value your your time more. It's like so I was listening to the Make Your Own Way podcast. Nope, not Making Our Way podcast with uh, Austin um, and uh, Dean and Christy. Um, and they were talking about, and Austin was talking about how, like, you know, as a machinist, he can pretty much make anything. And he often goes and buys stuff, right? Because he goes, you know, it would take me four hours to do it. I could do it. It would take me four hours. And this thing's 40 bucks. Well, it's, I'm worth more than ten ten dollars an hour, right? Like, yeah. So it's like for a lot of things, it's a it's a little cost benefit analysis that you do to figure out whether or not you, uh, it's worth your time, right? And I think Austin put a great where he went like, "Do you have lots of time and no money? Well, then you do it. Do you have lots of time, like money and no time? Well, then you buy it." And I think that was yeah. a really good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for point. sure. It's um, if you want to go into that sense, it's the same when you use like recycled wood and all that sort of stuff is I'm at that point now where it takes so much time to pull a pellet apart that I'd rather just spend the money and buy clean wood. Although it's it's free to get pellets and and all that sort of stuff. It's just not worth my time. And you don't have the extra. Yeah, exactly. Like if I had all the time in the world, I'd do pallets all the time. Like mm. if I didn't have to work, I want them. Like I have no problem doing pallets. I don't mind pulling pallets apart and, and using reclaimed wood. I like that. But I I have to go to a job every day, right? Yeah. Like, but are you trying? Do you need to produce a certain amount of furniture, like to furnish your house, or are you building pieces as you want? Building pieces as I want. So why couldn't you just also reclaim wood if you wanted to do that, if you don't necessarily need to make a certain amount of furniture? Well, because I I only have so much time. So it's like if I had more time, I could build it out of whatever I want. Like yeah. I the drawer faces for my closet build, I could have bought uh, like regular lumber and then had to like plane it down and joint it and all that stuff and square it all up. I just bought it already done from the lumber supply yard mm-hmm. because it was pretty close in the same price. And I went, you know, it was 50 bucks difference on a $400 order. So I went, I'll just do it myself. Like what? Like, or I'll just, I'll get them to do it. I don't have, I, I will save more than $50 worth of time. Right. You take someone like Jackman works who, that's his full-time job is making videos. 60% of his time or his build is probably just pulling pallets apart and getting them ready to where they're at their point of, if you just bought two by fours or like whatever would. Mm-hmm. I mean, that comes down to something else altogether where it's like that calculus isn't the same for everyone. Like, like Jackman's right. brand is built on reclaiming wood and, and all yeah. of that. So for him, it is, it is worth it to do that. And, and it's like, it's funny when you see people splitting hairs over like very small line items, like especially in YouTube comments, they're like, like you spent all this, you know, time and money, uh, I don't know, like 3d printing this where you could have just like done it out of wood. It's like, 
Well, it was probably like a dollar, less than a dollar worth of PLA. And it's easier for me to 3D model it than to, I don't have any like large stationary power tools to make it. So your argument doesn't really make sense. <laughs> right. And it's also what tools do you have? Right. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, you, I, like, you know. One you, could if they had these proper tools, right. but I am not that one. <laughs> exactly. And you don't have, and it's the same. You, you haven't, you know learn those skills right so it's one of those that you don't like i look at some stuff like i have f- furniture from i don't know it's really old furniture that got handed down to me that was my like great grandmother's or something a chair and i look at the like the way it's carved and it was clearly carved by hand cuz cnc's didn't exist then and i look at that and i go i, I couldn't do that I might be able to make a computer program make that, right? Like I think I could handle doing a computer program, setting up a CNC maybe, if that's what I wanted to do, get this ornate carving into the back of a chair. But I know I couldn't do that today with the chisels and knives that I have, but clearly people have been doing it, right? Because they specialized and they became better at that. So I think technology allows us to generalize in some ways, and it also makes it so that we lose some skills. Like I, I have a fireplace in my house and the amount of people, like you can't even get insurance on a house with a real fireplace anymore. So mine's gas. It's a like gas conversion. It's almost impossible to get it because people don't know how to light fires anymore. Right. They're they just, they, don't, they also just don't skill. clean out their chimneys. I think that's part of it as well. You're right. But that was all part of the skills that you needed to know how to do. You needed to know how to, you know. Or you just hire a chimney sweep. <laughs> right. This isn't Mary Poppins, okay? okay. We used to get a chimney. We I had a fireplace in my house growing up, and we'd get a chimney sweep that came by once a year to clean it out. Like chimney sweeps are definitely a thing, especially in oh, places no, where wood burning fireplaces are prevalent. Let, let, let's let's expand on that real quickly, though. Is that that would have been a specialized profession that is now no longer needed? Oh. No, it is. It just depends on where you live. I think. Uh, I don't think you can. I don't think it's as. Example. I don't think it's as needed as it as much as it needed to be. But I mean, as it used to be. Oh, for sure, because like fireplaces were there was multiple fireplaces in a single house. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, yes. Yes, there would still be chimney sweeps out there for sure, but I don't think it would be a specialized profession anymore. It's probably something people do on the side, like mowing a lawn and all that sort of stuff. There's still professional people who do it. And they specialize yeah. in it. There's also, well, I think, less of them. So if there used to be like, yeah, for sure, a hundred thousand of them, there's probably ten thousand of them now. Yeah, it's like yeah. uh it's like that uh, thought experiment where it's like, how many piano tuners are there in New York City uh, or Chicago? And it's it's to represent. There's oh Fermi calculations. So Fermi calculations are like basically back of the napkin calculations where you just like estimate orders of magnitude you're like okay there's approximately like five million people that live in chicago uh okay maybe uh one tenth of or one twentieth of every house has a piano there's this many people that live in the house one piano tuner can probably work this amount of pianos per week and even though you're estimating each step of the this is such a tangent but i just wanted to talk about it um (laughs) even though you're making like estimates every step of the way you still come to like a very accurate result. Anyway, yeah, there's probably just less chimney sweeps, but there's still professional chimney sweeps. <laughs> Instead of having chimney sweeps, we have more IT people. 
So the skills have just changed. Right. Yeah. Right. The amount of people working in a given industry. I I think if anything, as soon as we got into like an industrial age, I think if anything, we had specializations. Like Morley said, they're the things that that made, you know, I think you said they, they made more. No. Did you say something about leisure time? Anyways. We've gotten more specialized, which allows us <laughs> to do more things and allows us to also be more generalized at the same time. And with that, I want to thank our Patreon supporters. Uh, you know, every week we, we give a big shout out to all the people over on uh, Patreon who support us. Without you guys, th- this podcast wouldn't be possible. We wouldn't still be doing it. Um, I know for me, it's whenever we get a new uh, supporter, it like makes my week. I do a little happy dance. Um, the the Patreon supporters, they get access to our pre-show and our after show. Oh, we got a little, little clapping hands, uh, little baby claps. That's fun. Uh, they also get a, a leather keychain that's made by Morley. It's a one-off production. Everyone gets a one-numbered production from Morley. And, uh, you know, all that fun bonus content. You can go on to uh, patreon.com slash clamp if you want to go there. And we, I want to say thank you for that. And uh, if, you know, I get Patreon cost money, not everyone has it. Totally understand that. If you can't support us that way, we appreciate it if you can get leave us a review or if you can share the show with a friend. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Sharing our shows is, is massive. Um, leaving a review helps a lot, and we love when Molly reads them, but just getting our show out there is, is such a massive way to support us. Totally. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> we have a special guest host today. Yep. Oh, you want a headphone? All right. Well, let's go into Clamp Mendations. Clamp Mendations. Well, my clip nation this week is going to be Lego Masters. Um, we're currently on season three here in Australia, but I know there is an American version as well. Um, I just, I growing up like playing with Lego, it's it's so cool watching the creations that people can make that I could never make with Lego, and um, yeah, it's really inspiring. Ah, that's cool. I have to check that out. Well, me, I'm gonna go with a Caleb for scale. So uh, those who don't follow, you can make this too. Probably don't know, but on Instagram, he's been doing these really fun poses with his projects. And instead of putting a banana in there for scale, he puts himself uh, in very (laughs) various poses. There's some of them are really, really funny. And you can see he's trying really hard. Um, So go follow him over on Instagram. You can make this too and see his uh, Caleb for scale. Uh, he also has a YouTube channel as well. If you want to go check that out, how about you, Morley? Uh, I want to shout out uh, Jacob Griffin. Uh, his Instagram handle is Griffin dot makes. Um, he's a great maker. He's a designer from the Ohio area, and he's just a super nice guy. He does lots of similar stuff to me. I feel I feel a kindred sk- spirit mm-hmm. in Jacob and working out of a small workspace, doing some leather craft. Um, he also has a lovely mane of hair, both on his face and his head. Um, <laughs> and he's just a super nice guy. So go check him out. Yeah, I, uh, Jacob Griffin at Griffin.mix. I talked to Jacob quite a lot. All right. 
Yeah. Well, uh, hmm. this week we don't have a review for Morley to read. Um, and if for those who are new tuning in this week, uh, Morley will read a review in whatever uh, whatever accent and or uh, voice character uh, direction you give him. So uh, if you want to go and read, like leave us a review and at the end of it, um, just put a little note on where you want it. Or if you don't put a note, we're going to figure out where you're from and then he's going to figure out the accent from that um so instead of the review and because tool tips wasn't working out today we're gonna do adam's word of the day australian word of the do the day uh this one is more for molly um i think this will be fun you guys try and work out what the word is short for so today's australian word of the day is mozzie oh like make it on zoom having coffee <laughs> no that's not what it's well, short for that's clearly not that. I'm going to say mozzarella. Nope. I like a mozzarella stick. Um, Maz. What is Maz used in? Hmm. Now I all I can I, think I, of is mozzarella. I did not know this wasn't like a, a universal term. Um, but yeah, so mozzie is short for mosquito. Hmm. Oh. I would not have got that. Yes. That is that is not a universal term. That is definitely uh, an Australian uh, Sheila slang or something. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. You guys call everyone Sheila's. It's really weird. <laughs> but uh, oh, thanks for that. That was a fun. If you guys liked Adam's word of the day or the Australian Adam's Australian word of the day, let us know. And, uh, you know, you guys can uh, pop over on Instagram. Let us know there or, uh, you know, email Leave us. Leave a comment or- on YouTube. Leave a comment on the YouTube channel. There's a lot of different ways you could tweet at us or all the other fun stuff. And I want to say thank you to TF Turning for the theme song. And you can hear Morley's rendition of that in the after show. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I've already, we've already talked about all the different places we can be found, but you know, something we haven't said in a while. So I'm going to say it now, if you're tuning into this and, uh, you know, you you don't follow all three of us. Uh, why don't we just go through and say where you can find each other? You can find me as the Grant Alexander everywhere. Uh, I'm even on Twitter, but I don't go on there. Uh, what about you, Morley? I am Morley Kurt everywhere, everywhere, and I'm Maker Mackey everywhere. Maker Mackey, how do you spell that? M a k e r m a c k e y. Ah, M o u s e. Yes. So, go find Mickey, us. Follow Mickey us. without the with an A instead of an O. I like it. Go find us. Go follow us. And until next time, cheers. Bye. See you. He's a back here kind of guy. Well, why? Because he's bold. It's like anything that's know. like they moved from here down all the way. <laughs> I don't even. I have. I have hair on my nothing but bicep. I can't see, but I believe you. Is that so a bicep? See, but I still believe you. Is that a bicep? It's your shoulder <laughs> muscle. <laughs> Whatever. I, I I have hair everywhere that a uh, t-shirt covers, basically. And uh, <laughs> so you don't have hair on your forearms. <laughs>